and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. And we are joined again by our friend Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for being part of our podcast again. Um, this is part of our 13 Days of Halloween series, where every day leading up to Halloween, we are talking about a film that's in the horror or thriller or mystery spooky genre. <laughs> um and before we get into the talking about the movie, Ryan, do you just want to tell folks how they can find you on Twitter or on the internet? Yeah, so I have my own blog, which is ryanarnoldreviews.weebly.com, where you can find my uh, movie reviews there. Uh, also, I am on Twitter. My handle is um, uh, Arnold underscore at movies, where you can find me there, and I'd love to interact with you and, and share thoughts and information on, on film. Yeah, and he's got... Um you know, you, you, I think the latest reviews you put up are a double feature. So, yeah, you, you're mm-hmm. always putting out content, which is good. Um, so, Ryan, why don't you tell the folks about the movie we're talking about today, which is uh, from uh, a little over 100 years ago. It's a silent mm-hmm. film, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah, so like you said, this, this came out in uh, 1920, so it just turned 100 uh, a year ago. Um, it is a German silent horror film. Um, it's considered to be one of the first horror movies. Um, there was uh, obviously um, some horror-esque films that came out before it, um, but it really kind of helped um, continue to morph the horror genre before it was really a thing. Um, it's a German expressionism film um, right after World War I, um, so it has a lot to do with politics and symbolism it's a film that uses frame storytelling which is a story within a story um so the uh storyline for the movie is we follow a young man named francis and it starts out as a uh, non-linear setting so um we see a man named francis and a uh, he's at a he's at, at a uh, kind of sitting down on a bench with a an older gentleman and talking to him about his uh, fiance uh, Jan, who um, has gone has gone mad, and so he's kind of goes back in time to tell why she became mad and in the state of mind that she is. So then it flashes back to uh, Francis with his friend Alan, and they are um, going around to the annual fair at their uh, local um, town, and then. In comes a uh, man by the name of Dr. Caligari, who has a exhibit of a, um, it's kind of a mysterious exhibit that he has where he has um, somebody who's known as a sleepwalker, and his name is Caesar. And once Caesar awakes, he then will tell people their future. Alan um, asks Caesar what his future will be, and he tells him that he will be dead by uh, this time next morning. And so Alan, of course, has a bit of a panic attack. And um, sure enough, by um, the next morning, uh, Alan is dead. Um, so the movie kind of goes through different hoops and turns and twists. I don't want to get too much into it, but that's kind of a baseline of the film. Um, it has a lot to do with, um, uh, like I said, uh, politics um, a lot to do with uh, symbolism in the movie. Uh, the sets were, were all built, hand-built, and they painted on um, different types of textures and stuff to make it look kind of twist, twisted and kind of mysterious. Um, they also dyed the film, 
So um, daytime uh, film settings, they dyed kind of a yellow-orange color. And at nighttime, they colored it more of a blue-green, which is very unique for a movie of its time period. So there's just a lot to love with this film. Um, it also has a fun twist ending. Um, so it's just a, it's overall, it's a, it's a great um, Halloween movie to watch. And just in general, just a great film to watch. So I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I feel like when I, when I sit down to a silent film, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to get because I've seen some that don't age well at all. And I find to be kind of boring and um, too slow. This one, um, you know, it's a short, what, 75 minutes long, something like that. And um, no, it, I was, um, my, my attention was captured right from the beginning. And one thing that, you know, obviously the look of this film is one thing that makes it um, so famous and what makes it so effective, I think, as a horror film, because it, it does set a mood very well. And I, you know, this came out, you know, 1920. I can really see the impact of the kind of the radical art movements that are happening at that time. Um, I mean, when, when they're walking through the fair or they're walking through their village, it's like they're walking through a cubist painting because the walls are all slanted and angles. And um, it's, yeah, it's a very unique looking film and a very, I think they did a really creative and um, really wonderful job of designing the sets. And it, it all does very much look like sets. None of it looks particularly real. It looks very staged, but that, I mean, that adds a lot to the, to the feel and of the film. So I really loved that aspect of it. And, the, you know, the crazy angles and the, the shadows and all of that stuff, it really kind of lends itself to what is a story about madness, really. So the, the look and the themes of the, of the film really go together well. So I really loved it. And you're right. There is a, a big surprise at the end of the film that I, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. And I thought it was um, really great. Yeah. I <clears throat> appreciated this movie more on the technical angle, I think, uh, than I did on the story side. Um, it left me a little fidgety um, story-wise. And it is a swift hour and 15 minutes. That said, I don't know. I, I, I had trouble keeping, um, keeping my attention span on it. Um, I've, I've seen several silent films and I love a lot of them. And, and one year we should do a, an episode about Nosferatu for mm-hmm. our Halloween. Cause that's, that's a great old silent movie. Um, anyway, but actually you've already covered every, and, and, and in much <laughs> greater, um, intelligence than I could have Whatever. about uh, the the influence there with the, the set designs and everything. Um, I, I, that's something I noticed a lot and I enjoyed watching. I was like, you know, every different, different scenes had all these different sets that were obviously sets, as you say, but they were kind of cool looking. Um, some of them actually reminded me, it's interesting, I could see this movie in hindsight influencing other films down the road, you know, and, and one of them to me that looked very obvious was... Um, some three three and a half decades later was uh, Night of the Hunter, which um, has it's, people always talk about the sets in that movie and, and it's sort of odd um, style, which, which I love. But it, it, I think it cribbed a little bit from this film, uh, at least, which you know, steal from the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the 
the uh, the music score also to this. You know, you and I had a conversation when we were watching this. Like, so did, did silent movies back in the day come with a prescribed set of sheet music about the, the mm-hmm. you know the, the performer in the theater was supposed to play at this, or was it just a, you know you just kind of freestyled it? And we don't know. This score that was done for for the version we watched was um, um, had a lot of personality. <laughs> And almost sometimes to the detriment of <laughs> focusing on the movie, mm-hmm. um, up to and including, the, uh, I would say, an overusage of saxophone, which yeah. I found distracting. I thought I was watching some 80s TV show because yeah. that, that was featured a lot <laughs> back then. Um, I, I digress. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought it had an interesting story structure. Like it has six acts and it tells you like when each act is ending and when each act is beginning. Uh, I was looking up some of the actors in here, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, not to sound shallow for a moment, but um, I found the character Alan. He was kind of, he's kind of cute. Mm. Um, <laughs> and even um, Cesar Caesar, the the, the sleepwalker, the that is sort of controlled by Doctor Caligari. Um, I was shocked when I saw who that was because I, I thought it was interesting. He's he's the way they have him done up. He's he's got makeup on, and he's uh, both. Kind of frightening looking, but also kind of striking and, and handsome. Um, that is Conrad Veidt, who um, most folks nowadays know him from, um, I think it was the, the, the movie The Man Who Laughs, where he's dressed up as the Joker. Well, <laughs> he's not the Joker in that, but the Joker, the Joker was sort of, I guess, what we've come to know as the character of the Joker, the look of that character is definitely cribbed mm-hmm. from Conrad Veidt's um, role mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, so no, um, yeah, I think I found this to be a bit of a mixed bag, but definitely fascinating. Um, if you're, if you're in the movies, I, I think this is something you have to see. Um, so yeah. How about you, Ryan? Yeah. So um I had just kind of stumbled upon this movie about a year ago. Um, it was kind of right at the start of the pandemic um, back in March of 2020. I was trying to find things to watch. I'm a big fan of silent movies. I, I love um, silent films. I've been watching them. Um, Charlie Chaplin is one of my favorite filmmakers out there. And so anything that I can kind of get my hands on of watching silent movies, I, I will, will do. Um, it's also kind of fun because... Um, well, sadly, a lot of silent movies are gone, which is which is unfortunate. But um, but uh, the ones that are still out there either have been uh, refurbished or they are so easy to find online um, because they've gotten past their copyright dates. Um, so you can kind of go out and, and find a bunch of them at your your fingertips, which is which is great. Um, the story really intrigued me on how I used a kind of story within a story. Um, it was uh, using its kind of nonlinear form. Um, the sets were really uh, fascinating. That really drew me in with the, the well, we've talked a lot about this, but it, it's very unique with the sharp points and the shapes and the curves. Uh, I just thought that was very well made. And also the fact that they dyed the film to give each, um, each scene a different setting and a mood, depending on if it was night or day. And they've even in, even in um, Jan's home, they uh, colored it red, um, which was or kind of a pinkish color. Um, and they only use that for her inside her house, which is 
really unique. Um, there's a scene where the scene where Alan dies um, by Caesar um, is really striking because they really focused on shadows. Uh, it's very unique, and you can see, you know, you see the knife come down on the wall, the shadow of and him getting, you know, <laughs> struck by it. Um, and and um, you know, for the twenty, you know, nineteen twenties, that's probably pretty pretty graphic. <laughs> um, but it is just very, you know, it, you can see where it's inspired a bunch of horror films from that scene alone, which is really cool. Um, so overall, I just, I really kind of fell in love with this movie. Um, I, I liked that it had a lot of symbolism in it. In it. it also really dived deep into um, the politics of, um, of the German society post-World War One, and um, people being oppressed and, and kind of the mindset of that. Um, it really plays into that well. Um, so yeah, there's just a, a lot to love with this film. Um, and I've, it's come to be one of my, my favorite favorite movies out there. Yeah, it definitely has a kind of haunting quality to it. And I, I was thinking about how, what we might think of as its limitations actually add to that quality. So the fact that it's silent, the fact that it's, you know, not black and white, but just tinted and but monochromatic. So it has all these shadows um, that all adds to this haunting feeling that you can't really duplicate today unless you're going to make a picture that's silent and black and white. You're not going to be able to achieve this. So it, yeah, it's really unique and of its time and visually, um, visually unique. So I, I, I highly recommend it. And, you know, narratively you were talking about the narrative and how it's told mostly in flashback. I don't know. It was kind of surprising how sophisticated that was because there's actually a flashback within that flashback as well. That was a lot, it was kind of um, hard to pick up on right away, but um, yeah, I, I felt like I was going into this movie um, kind of with low expectations, but it it actually the sophistication of it and the the quality of it impressed me. So, so what would you give it out of uh, ten, Ashley? I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. How about you, Ryan? A 10. It's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I'm coming in low, I guess. Uh, I'm giving it a six and a half. Uh, Our score is an 8.1. It is on the tomato meter. It has a certified fresh critic score of 99% and an audience score of 89%. So, um, you know, definitely recommend it. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.